news, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and Gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Objective Basketball Podcast with Lauren and myself, Espandiar Barahini. I've never really said my full oh, name no. that on the podcast. Crazy. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, hi. How are you? Good. I hope everybody is well. Um, Lauren and my team, if you will, the Toronto Raptors, played last night. It was a fun game from my perspective, <laughs> uh, but I, I I imagine it was honestly I thought it was a fun game all things it was considered. A good game, yeah, yeah, um, really up and down. The pace was just incredible. I so I try to clip these games, right? I try to like mm-hmm. clip plays and things like that to try to get it out there and like, hey, this is what I noticed, blah blah blah. And the pace made it hard to actually yeah. clip. Like I was like, okay. oh, 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 I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't get, I can't keep up. Like, like my fingers did not keep up with the, with the game. It was really hard. Um. Anyways, the Toronto Raptors won one twenty seven to one eighteen or one four. I can't remember what one sixteen. Right. Um. And ultimately, it was a. First of all, I actually think. Like, I love the Mavericks, even yeah. though they lost. <laughs> right. Even though they lost, I thought there was a very clear reason they lost. And Derek, yes, missing Derek cool. Lively in this game was just so obvious. The, the The Raptors scored 72 points in the paint. Pascal Siakam scored 31 points. Of those 31 points, 30 of them were in the paint. Uh, Scotty Barnes scored, I believe, eight of his six, 14 points in the paint. OG Ananobi had 26 points. He had 14 of his points in the paint too. So like they absolutely dominated. They feasted on the inside. There was no one that could guard the bigger Raptors players. Um, and it kind of makes me think like, you know, Pascal would be great on the Mavericks. Like he looked really great. Oh, but that, that I, no, I'm glad you that, said that. We'll get to that at some point. We'll, at some point, we'll we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but ultimately it showed you the importance of Derek Lively for the mm-hmm. Mavericks. Uh, and I think that's so evident. Even you know, God bless him. Dwight Powell couldn't do enough. Um, <laughs> and I, I think ultimately, like, it shows you just how important Lively is to this team. Yeah. And maybe that they need another big body down there. I don't know who that'll be. Man, it would have been great if you guys got Bismack Biombo. I think he would have been right. a nice addition. Um, sure. But but ultimately, I think that was the the reason the Raptors won this game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree. You mentioned the points in the paint, the Raptors putting up 72 points in the paint and the Mavs only putting up 40 points in the paint. Another thing is like, obviously the free throws, Mavs really struggled from the free throw line, uh, 61%, 19 of 31 there. So that's another kind of big, big issue. Uh, But the Mavs shot 41.5% from three. Anytime mm-hmm. they do that, they should be winning a basketball game. And so to be just yep. sheerly dominated in the paint to, to where it was almost like a, I was texting my brother and my dad who were at the game last night. And I, I was sitting there like, God, nice. it's like, it's like the, it's like a halfback dive right down. Like I, I it's just horrible to watch. And so <laughs> it was very painful for us because a little like football you, reference. Okay. There I you go. You. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it was very painful to watch because it just felt like, the map Kyrie could explode the Mavs could do mm-hmm. this they could do that but when you've got OG Pascal who played very very well and then Scotty who also just looked incredible those three I was very concerned even before Derek Lively got 
ruled out that the size and the just the the physicality would be too much for the Mavs. Um, yeah. And so then when Derek got ruled out, I was like, man, they're really going to have a, a, a tough go tonight. And so I personally have been calling like wanting to see Rashawn Holmes get more minutes. And he did get some some action last night, but he's very quick to get pulled out. And Mm -hmm. for me, one thing that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on moving forward that I feel like in this game, especially it was maybe the most apparent it's been all year. The minutes where Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dwight Powell share the floor together is when I feel like the defense just really struggles. And so for me, I'm like you, uh, Tim clearly has uh, is important to this team right now and what they're trying to do. And Dwight is the backup big. They they really value him. But in my mind, you have got to balance uh, because those two specifically on the floor together. When I'm watching that, I have concern for it. It just feels like there's a bit of a bleed. And so I think there's ways to sort of cover it up. Um, and another thing that I'd like to see them do is run a super small lineup that is. Luca or Kyrie and then some of these right. backup wing guards it could be Josh it could be Seth it could be Hardy it could be anyone but then you've got Derek Jones Jr. and Grant Williams at the four and the five I think there's a way to play with mm-hmm. pace and try and just throw different things at people as opposed to having Dwight in there and, and even sometimes Holmes if he gets in there I just think that this game really sort of showed obviously not having lively sucked but what happens when you have bigs that are not quite big enough. And so um, for Dallas, I think moving forward and, you know, eventually in December and January and February, when trades start heating up, you may see them try to go out and add more size because they have a lot of like a decent number of bigs right now. Hint, 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 hint. hint, hint. So I think that that's going to kind of be their priority. Number one, because you cannot rely, you can't put all your Mm -hmm. eggs in and Derek lively being available all the time, you know? So um, I think this was a big game for that to kind of, to show them some things. And I was, there were a lot of things that I was very pleased with, like how they came out of the gate. Uh, They looked very solid on both ends. So it's really just about kind of get covering up the paint and also hitting the free throws. So we'll see how they can bounce back. Yeah, I, I loved how fast they were playing. And yeah, I think that different. was something that uh, jumped out to me when they first traded for Kyrie. Because Kyrie is such a good transition player, and mm-hmm. he kind of forces his teams to play fast too. Yep. And we didn't really see that last year. They kind of grinded to a halt a lot. But yep. let me see what, where they're at in pace. They're 10th in pace this year, mm-hmm. which is like really good big, compared big to a Luka yep. Doncic team. I mean, last year... Yeah, last year they were 28th in pace, which is <laughs> yep. like it, it's a huge difference. They're playing faster. Luca is playing faster. Obviously, he, obviously he's such a great decision maker. Mm-hmm. And that fast tempo is one, allowing them to generate tons of more possessions so they can mm-hmm. like just put up points very easily. And then yep. two, uh, I think it enables them to one, like their secondary players, let's say a Josh Green, let's say a Jaden Hardy, Tim Hardaway Jr., et cetera. Like they can attack tilted defenses a little bit more because they're yep. pushing the pace so often. And yeah. that's going to help the offense flow even better. And man, the, the size thing is definitely an issue, but I think I, for the most part, you know, the Mavericks tried to address that this summer, yeah. adding Grant Williams, adding Derek Jones Jr., obviously drafting lively. Like they're they're doing the things they yeah. need to to go they out are. and fix this problem. It's just, hey, you need more of it. Um yep. and I think to your point, I'm kind of interested to see how this team looks like 
against the Lakers, who are a big team, or against Minnesota, that's a big team, or yep. Denver, for that matter, uh, and and how they look. So I that I guess that's my question moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the Raptors, for the most part, you know, Luka had 31 and Kyrie had 22, but I thought for the most part they did a pretty good job defensively against I those two. So um, and kind of containing them a little bit, not giving them as much as they want. And in that second half, fourth quarter, when Luka and Kyrie started to get to the free throw line, that's when you saw a little bit of a slippage, right? You mm-hmm. saw they got to the line, they got a little bit more comfortable, Raptors got into foul trouble, Yakupertle got into foul trouble, and you saw everything sort of, that's where they're, they almost made that comeback there in the fourth quarter, right? right. Um, although, the, I think my main takeaway from this, uh, from this game, you know, outside of, from a Mavs perspective, from a Raptors perspective, it's like at a base level, even if the shot isn't falling for Scotty Barnes, he's going to be able to give you this type of game, which is yeah. like he was everywhere defensively. He was a monster as a rebounder. He had six stocks again, <laughs> four steals, two blocks. And he was just special defensively. I, 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 in, in the late night recap pod that I jumped on earlier later, I kind of said like, that game reminded me of Draymond. Uh, and I mean yeah. that in the highest compliment that he plays a lot like Draymond Green when his shot isn't falling. Yes, he has the offensive upside and the offensive ceiling that Draymond does not. And, you know, that's tantalizing in its own right. If he ever develops that into something consistently, awesome. But at a base level, if he is a, you know, a perennial all <laughs> defense member, that's a really Can't good player to have. Um, right. And between him and him and OG, you know, OG is such a great on-ball defender. Scotty is a great weak side, roamer, helper. I think that can be a really tantalizing defensive group moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. they've obviously showed that so far this season that, like, they're going to be an awesome defensive group and they're going to hang their hat on that. I just yeah. thought it was so special to see that group be like that. It was and, – and he was commandeering the offense um, in that second unit with the bench too. Uh, especially in the second quarter with guys like Malachi Flynn and Gary Trent Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. He was like controlling the pace of that game. Mm-hmm. So it it felt like a Draymond-esque performance. And I mean that yeah. in the best way possible because one, Draymond is one of my favorite players. And two, I, I know it's like everybody hates Draymond. I don't, I'm sorry, <laughs> sue me. I don't, I, I, I like, like Draymond Green, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he is one of the smartest defenders ever. I like to say that Draymond is the smartest defender ever. He plays like a free safety on defense. Mm-hmm. He's creative because he's going to jump like the pre-rotations that he does, the jumping the gun to to jump out to close out on someone. He is so good at all of that. He is commandeering and kind of commanding other p- players to go to certain places. And Scotty Barnes did a lot of that last night. So yeah. I, it, it that's the thing that popped out to me. What did you notice from the Raptors side of things? From the Raptors, yeah. So it, it's crazy because you're you're looking at the box score and you can see OG and Pascal having these these kind of like uh, standout performances in term in terms of the offensive end. But when yeah. you're when you're watching, kind of rooting for the team that's going against the Raptors, you feel Scotty everywhere. And so as much as Pascal, it was like, man, he just keeps scoring. At least for me, as I was taking in the game. I was like, somebody has got to do something about Scotty. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's going ultra small, but you've got to switch something up because Scotty is controlling 
the pace of the game, the intensity of the right. game. And that was how that was how I felt about it. And so, um, I mean, we've talked about the, the the leap a little bit, but getting to see this in a game where he was everywhere, but then also didn't do so hot on the offensive end and to still see him control the game that way and to that level at least again from where I'm sitting I I can understand why some people would be like no that was a Pascal game but from where I was sitting Scotty was like you said the sort of commander of the offense commander of the defense and just I mean as far as having OG and Scotty as your sort of core duo moving forward that is an incredibly intriguing and exciting thing to hang your hat on from both an offensive and defensive standpoint and even just a physicality standpoint because having having all of those things uh that just doesn't happen very often, especially sort of on the same kind of timeline a little bit, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a gap, but for the most part, those two, the the gap and the Scottish trajectory seems to kind of put them at the same in my, in my yeah. mind. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, yeah, I think, I think it's, the Raptors have a lot to be excited about. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you think about that? The timeline? Yeah. I mean, timeline stuff is interesting because mm-hmm. you can make a case and say, well, Scotty is taking the leap now, and he's looking like an all-star. And between, you know, he's he's averaging. I think the the box score numbers are he's averaging twenty ten and six, which is just, I mean, <laughs> three eight games. And and also not to mention the two steals plus three blocks that he's averaging, which is just like <laughs> it's other that stat line is prime Magic Johnson right there, right? Twenty ten six two and three. Like, what are we doing even here? Yeah. Um. So that's an all-star stat line. And if he's making that all-star leap, you can sell yourself on the idea of, hey, this team now has two all-stars, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes. It has an all-defense type player, maybe defensive player of the year type player, and OG Ananobi. It has Dennis Schroeder, who is performing and outperforming his contract, in my opinion. Yaka Pertle, solid starting bench player. Or, sorry, sol- solid starting center. Um, yeah, you have some good. bench pieces. Yeah, he looked really good. Um you have some solid bench pieces. Chris Boucher showed out last night. Gary Trent Jr. was hitting his shots, and when he hits his shots, he's really, really good. Um, Otto Porter Jr. has completed that bench in a lot of ways. Maybe you can get some minutes from Brady Dick. Maybe you can get some minutes from Malachi Flynn. And instead of this team, you know, when we started this podcast, uh, you know, the predictions and whatnot, I probably had the Raptors at like 40 to 42 wins, you know, mm-hmm. hovering around 500. And yes, they're 500 right now. But if all of those things go right, right? If Scotty's an all-star, if Pascal's an all-star type player, if OG's an all-defense type player, and you're looking at contributions from other guys, this is like a 45 to 50 win team. Um, yeah. And I, I look, I don't know if that's actually going to happen this year. But if we're looking at a glass half full approach to what this Raptors team can be, and if you're selling yourself on, no, we're not going to trade Pascal Siakam. We're actually going to re-sign this guy and run it back with this team. Then this is the way you're talking about this team. But at the same yeah. time, there's also another argument to say, hey, Scotty looks really good. OG looks really good. The team is obviously moving in a different direction. Let's see what we can get for Pascal Siakam, who is performing yeah. well now. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had a breakout performance against the Mavericks. Let's mm-hmm. see what we can get for him and go from there. Uh, so yeah. th- it's it's sort of a double-edged sword here, whatever, because you don't know what approach the Raptors want to take because you could convince yourself mm-hmm. on both. You know exactly. Yeah, that's why that's why last year I was I was high on them. Obviously, Scotty's taking a, a, a completely different level leap, 
Uh, yeah. But even last year when I was looking at a, a trio of Pascal, OG, Scotty, even if you f- even if you're someone that's like, you know, that's a little redundant. I don't think anyone can uh, argue against the fact that the versatility and, and it's not like these guys are just slashing defenders. They shoot the three. They share the ball. They they make things happen on offense not to mention mm-hmm. the cutting uh yeah. there was a lot of cutting and and i was like man that i'm not gonna lie though an- to be fair that was probably their best game of doing that like oh it was uh, it, okay it, i'm it, glad you added that because i was like jesus no in all honesty one that tied their best half court efficiency game of the okay. season uh well, so um, yeah that's good to know yeah <laughs> they were they were they <laughs> Look, the well, Mavericks was... defense is a question. Yeah, you get, look, it's yeah, a question yeah. moving forward. Um, it, is, but it is, yeah. Ultimately, though, I, I agree with you that, like, there is an optimized, maximized version of this team mm-hmm. that could look like this on any given night. But it's right. just about, like, how many times are you actually going to see this version of the team is my yeah. question. And, yeah, and I, I'm glad that we're having the conversation sort of in this light because there's the obviously the idealized version, and and when people are talking about Pascal Siakam, obviously I love the idea of Pascal Siakam on the Mavs. I think he addresses a lot mm-hmm. of the Mavericks' needs, and I'm sure that there are other teams that feel that way. But for yeah. Toronto, we've seen what fi- what what I find so interesting about this situation is with Pascal. We've seen kind of what has happened with Fred and what happened with Kyle Lowry and and Toronto losing people and and getting mm-hmm. nothing or very little in return, depending on where you sit on that. But yeah. with Pascal, I do I do wonder if there's a world in which he happily stays because the offers just aren't that good, which is another sort of trend that we've seen more so on in terms of Masai not accepting certain offers because they weren't high enough. So I do wonder. Right if they're just better off keeping him. And I think that there's enough of an argument to make to go forward with that, especially when you've got Gary Trent and, and, and Jakob Pertl. If they didn't have those two guys and there really was much more of a younger feel, then maybe I might lean a different way. But I thought Jakob looked really good last night, even as a bit of a, like mm-hmm. a, like underrated playmaking. I thought he yeah. looked pretty solid. And so – um Obviously, Dennis Schroeder's having a good year as well. And so I think that there's enough for them to sort of work around, not work around the edges, because obviously they they have some room for improvement. But to just completely start from scratch, I, I do feel like there are, if there are people that aren't watching the Raptors closely, they might be more inclined to to. Or it to might say be their blow best it to, up, yeah, right? Well, yeah. well, to to say blow it up, and and I'm saying that I I think that you might pump the brakes a little bit before just mm-hmm. assuming that Pascal's out or that OG yeah. is out because of his contract situation. I think that there's there is a very real world in which this is the core moving forward. Well, look, I've I've been on wax about this before. You know this. I yes. I really don't think OG is going to get traded. Right. Um, right. I would be shocked if he is. I think they value him so highly. He's still somewhat young. Like he's, I think he's twenty six or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like he's entering his prime as a player, right? Yep. And I don't think they're going to be moving him anytime soon. In fact, I think they're going to give him the full max extension this summer. The Pascal stuff is a little bit different of a story. Yeah. Because you start to talk about, you know, age and mileage and, hey, he's about to turn 30. Are you going to give him that four-year, five-year max? 
Yeah. What's the, the what's the long term outlook of this team if you do that? What's the salary situation, especially because you know Scotty Barnes is going to be on a max. Uh, he's going to be max eligible this summer as well. Precious Achua is extension eligible. A little before you know, there's going to be Grady Dick extension, and maybe you know Malachi Flynn plays himself into an extension this year. That would be crazy to me. But <laughs> right. um, like, there's a world in which you say, look, this team is probably going to be too expensive for how good it is uh and that's the argument to have for yes. trading pascal siakam it's not a he's not a good enough player it's not a right. he's not talented enough and i agree with you that like this team probably doesn't want to just sell him off for scraps so yeah. the you, the question yeah. you got to ask yourself is where the hell is this extension then because yep. if they're not extending him that means they might be looking to trade him but if they might be looking to trade him, that means that, hey, you might as well, let's let's start the process soon because this is a season you can use to capitalize on that. Now, to yep. be fair, they don't have an incentive to suck. We've talked about this before. They have their pick out the door this year. So maybe they want to be somewhat competitive so that they keep that pick. Uh, sorry, yep. they, they give up they, they give up that pick to yep. to San Antonio this year. And then they, they have their pick flexibility again in 2025 and 2026. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Raptors. I guess, I guess we could kind of transition to this part of the conversation, which is, okay, I agree with you. The one thing I saw from last night that popped out to me is like, man, if Pascal Siakam were to be traded to the Dallas Mavericks, I think the Mavericks win a championship in the amount of time that Pascal is on that team, whether it is, you know, the four year max, whatever it is, I really do believe that he completes that team in such a way that they would win an NBA championship. That's yeah. that's how much yeah. I believe in that particular fit. Now, I don't know what the details are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the trade would be. But ultimately, I think it would be pretty damn good uh, with Pascal on that team, with Luca, yeah. with Kyrie, with Lively, Grant, all those guys. Uh, I think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I really think that Pascal sort of checks perfectly checks every box that Dallas needs to address. I mean, when you look at, for, for Dallas, I think, well, let me just focus on Pascal. The defense and the offense and the size and the playmaking. He really does yeah. check every single box and he would slot right into the starting lineup. One thing that Dallas has struggled with over the last couple of years is lineup changes happening not just because of injuries and availability, but because, oh, does this group work best together? Is there too much offense, not enough defense? And so you you bring Pascal here, assuming it would include some of the young guys, Tim Hardaway Jr. You, you can kind of do the math on who would be involved there. Um, and you would very clearly be left over with a lineup of Luca, Kyrie, Grant Williams, Pascal Siakam, and Derek Lively. And there would be no questions on who should start, be no questions on, oh, you know, what's, what's going to happen? And, and I think that, you know, Derek Jones Jr. has been phenomenal, but he would be in that second unit, bringing the size, bringing the defense, bringing energy. And so I think for Dallas, this is an opportunity, or it would be an opportunity for them to really add size and then also add a third person who could go get their own shot. And so having Grant Williams and then having almost like, I don't want to say an idealized or like like a like a more complete version of of Derek Jones Jr. that has all these other aspects to his game. Like yeah. that would be an just a, like a, a wholly up. better player than uh, Derek yeah, Jones. Yeah, complete Jr. like well yeah. more like well rounded. Just the yeah. playmaking. The I ball mean, handling. dude, you're you're adding an all NBA guy, right? Like it it's not even huge this for this team. And and I I really yeah. do think that um 
like going back to this last draft when they were to, able to add two first round picks to add it to the young core of Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, it put Dallas in a position where, okay, you may not have a treasure trove of picks, but now you've got four. And I think Derek Lively's very clearly becoming sort of untouchable. Uh, it may be a little early to say that, but it's not for me. Uh, but the rest yeah. of the guys, intriguing young players that can be included in a package to go make this next move. And we're already seeing a bit of a log jam because Seth Curry is not even touching the floor. And so for right. Dallas, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, even Maxie's contract, Rashawn Holmes' contract, uh, Dwight Powell, Dante Exum's contract. There are many moves and, and a lot of money that they could put together uh, to, to find a different combination to go out and get someone like Pascal. Uh, so I do think it would really just be a matter of what the other offers are. Um, and, and if Masai is moved by a Dallas offer, because in my mind, if he's available and you're the Mavericks and you are very aware of what your weaknesses are, there is quite literally no argument as to why you should not go for Pascal Siakam. And I mean, to me, like going back to what you said about the age, the mileage to about to hit 30, like Dallas doesn't need to be hitting on the guys that are 23, 24, 25. They need to be hitting on the guys that are like 28, 29, 30. That's how you get. Yeah. Into you're like trying to win title. now. Yeah. You're, you're ready to win now. So, so for me, like that is not too old. You've got to, you got to kind of push your chips in and, and, Dallas, you and I talked about this, is um, Dallas is not, you know, the free agent destination necessarily uh, similar to how some people talk about Memphis. You you make your trades. This is how they sign operate. people. Yeah. This is how you operate. And so I think that for Dallas in the past, you've seen Nico be aggressive. There's no reason to assume that that would just all of a sudden stop. So I'm not saying that the Mavericks are getting Pascal Siakam, but it's definitely something that I think you should keep your eye on because the money would work. Dallas has assets that I think Toronto would be interested in. And it just, it does seem to to work on paper pretty well. So it's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. And he had a pretty good audition game. If we're counting it. As an audition sure game. Did. He had a very, very good audition game. I mean, I I hate to be the guy to do that type <laughs> of stuff because, like, I'm probably just reading into it too much. Mm-hmm. But the fact that his breakout performance was against a team that probably could use him the most, mm-hmm. uh, it's just – it's interesting to me. It's very You know what I mean? And it felt like they were prioritizing him a little bit more. They were involving him a little bit more in the offense, showcasing him a little bit more, <laughs> if, if you, you will. will. <laughs> um, so I don't know, man. I, I, we'll could, I could see a situation where this works. And I, you know, my main thing is like, you look back at how the Mavericks traded for Kyrie Irving last year, right? They were yep. in a position where they didn't necessarily have the cap flexibility to go out and re-sign uh, him in the summer. So they had to, trade for him they were willing to trade for a guy like that oh by the way even despite all the Kyrie Irving noise they actually signed him to an extension as well so I ultimately think this is how the Mavericks like to operate you mentioned Mm -hmm. the free agency stuff that's a big part of them saying hey instead of us going out and throwing money at Monte Ellis or whatever right let's (laughs) (laughs) I like that I like that throwback okay sorry keep going let's let's go out and trade for a guy that we like uh and then re-sign him yeah. And I, I, I think ultimately, you know, for all the reasons you mentioned, Pascal does complete that team in a major way. Yep. Um, and yeah, he would be awesome. Like, I, I think of Pascal on the Mavericks, and this is no shot at all to him at all. Mm-hmm. But what he would be serving as is 
what Aaron Gordon was to the Denver Nuggets. You took the words out of my mouth. You took the words out of my mouth. Again, he's a much better player than Aaron Gordon. He's an all-NBA player, all-star level player. But just in terms of what his utility would be to Dallas, mm, would be, a team. yes, yeah, 100%. look, doing everything on the dirty side of things, defensively so being that. a menace, a dunker spot help type guy, everything you could imagine that Aaron Gordon does, he does that, but times a million. And yep. I just think he would be perfect for this team. Um, <sighs> he would help out a guy like Derek. He really is a perfect fit. I know. Uh, and I do think to your it's point. There are some things the Raptors would be interested in. Maybe Josh Green, a guy that they liked at the draft, is someone yep. that they would be interested in. I think Jaden Hardy p- pairs well with guys like, you know, uh, Scotty and whatnot. I, mm-hmm. Again, I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. the Raptors like the Canadian Omax, right? Yeah. Who knows? I, I have no idea. But um, I do think it'd be a good fit. I think he will be one of the more sought-after, sought-out players in the league this year. So maybe you have your competition. 100%. But also, it's just tough to see because, you know, there's all those rumors. And by the way, like, I will confirm that Pascal has been unwilling to sign extensions with other teams. There was a deal that was in place with Indiana that didn't work out because he didn't want to sign an extension. There was a deal that was in place with Atlanta. Some things fell out with DeJounte Murray, but also Pascal wasn't really willing to resign there. Now, where does he want to resign? Where would he want to go? The all indications say that it's Toronto or nothing, but maybe a contender, maybe a place like Dallas where, yeah. hey, I can play with Luka and Kyrie. I could potentially win in a championship in the next couple of years. Could be a good spot, you know? Yeah. I think in- inevitably there's only like five or six teams that make sense. We talked about it offline a little bit, but there's like yeah. Golden State that makes yep. sense. Philadelphia, I think somewhat makes sense, although we kind of went back and forth on like how viable of a trade right. package that is. But still, definitely. Uh, yeah. Dallas, you know, um, I think ultimately the Lakers are interesting with how they're struggling this year. Um, You know, Miami might be able to get, I don't know. But like ultimately, a lot of teams are going to go after Pascal. I think the Mavericks have a really good chance too. Um, Okay. I kind of want to go around the league a little bit here. Yeah. Let's talk about some stuff that's going around a lot uh, all around the league. Uh, One in-season tournament, uh, second day is happening on Friday. Your Mavericks play the James Harden's Clippers. James Harden's Clippers are 0-2 to start the season. <laughs> um, so it hasn't looked well. It hasn't looked great, okay? It, it just hasn't looked really, really great. Some of the same issues are pre-existing. Uh, Harden is off-ball, but maybe not moving as much off-ball. Um, there's sort of there's a workaround period between him and Russell Westbrook, and how does that fit really work? It's been wonky, to say yeah. the least. It's kind of wonky. And I watched the game against the Knicks and all I could look at myself and say is like, oh man, this offense looks ugly. Like it's, yeah, it looked really shaky. It dwelled into a lot of one-on-one stuff. Uh, he yeah. kind of doubled down on some of the stuff. I don't know. I hey, just, he's a system. You got to give it time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The system is owned to the system is owned to. And uh, it, it, I, I don't know. I, look, I will say, Right now, it's kind of easy to jump on this and say, well, they suck yeah. because they do. They they, they, they don't Struggle. look very good. Mm-hmm. But it also is like a double whammy because on the other side of things, the Sixers look freaking awesome. Like they <laughs> look crazy. incredible. It is a double whammy. They beat the Celtics last night. Celtics have lost two in a row uh, against yeah. the Timberwolves and against the Sixers. 
Uh, Tyrese Maxey has been awesome. He's shooting like 100% from three. He's just been incredible. I think leading the team in assists, nine assists, career high. Joel Embiid obviously doing doing Joel Embiid things. But Mm -hmm. I think ultimately what stands out to me is just how good they look on the defensive end without Harden. Because you now have Maxey, but you also have Robert Covington out there. You have Marcus Morris out there. You have Nicholas Mm -hmm. Batum out there. And you also still had a bunch of players that could be good defensively in that group. D'Anthony Melton. You have Tobias Harris, who's a big body. Kelly Oubre, who's a big body. Like, it's like they have so much wing depth. Yep. And obviously they have Joel Embiid as the anchor of it all, who's like, you know, at his prime as a defensive player of the year type player. I can't believe I'm believing in a Sixers team again. I, I'm so <laughs> angry with myself. I, you know, you you remember last year? I was like, yeah. "Hey, watch out for them, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. And and they were, I mean, they were firing on all cylinders. And so this year, it's it's very obviously hard to sort of envision. And even with the project, like the predicted, and uh, we all knew Tyrese was going to take a jump. Maybe some people thought more or less than what it has been. Uh, but the wing depth. It's a wings league, and you cannot yeah. under underestimate the veteran uh, versatility of some of these guys that have been in different systems and 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 are, are coming back even to Philadelphia. And so it's been very fun to see. And one thing, I mean, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know very well like where my brain goes sometimes. If there's a, an trade, opportunity baby. to improve at in trade season, you're going to yeah. do it if you're going all in. And and I think there is room for improvement for this Philadelphia team. But seeing how they're performing right now at the beginning of the season with where they started, you can't ask for much more than that. So it has been fun to watch. I'm happy for them because two situations in a row with Ben Simmons and then James Harden just not going your way, going south. Again, wherever right. you stand on that issue, either way, it didn't work out for Philadelphia. And so... For them to sort of be in this position right now at the beginning of the season is huge for them. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's huge for them. So it's been fun yeah. to watch. It's early. They're at the top of the Eastern Conference, and I'm not going to fool myself into saying, "Hey, Philly title contender again," because <laughs> I, I, you never, Daryl yeah. Morey, my friend, I have done it a bon- bunch of times. He just followed <laughs> me on Twitter, so he's my friend. Hey, there you uh, go. But, but, but yes, no, I've I've done it a, a multiple times. Okay, I've believed in this Sixers team, so I have to play the wait and see game. But ultimately, it really impressive what they've been doing so far. The buy-in has been absolutely awesome. And I think defensively, they look so much better this season compared to last season. Maybe some of that is Nick Nurse, too, like just defensive scheme and what they're doing. But I just think they look great. Tyrese Maxey looks great. Joel Embiid looks great. Everybody else, Kelly Oubre doesn't Kelly pass the Oubre. ball, but he scores 20 points uh, on, a, on a vet minimum, which is like, let's That's, do it. Why you take not? It. You take it. Yeah. Take it every time. Um, okay. Want to keep going around the horn. I, okay. I, I wanted to mention a couple of different things here. Yeah. Uh, so the Lakers. They've struggled. They mm-hmm. just got blown out by the Houston Rockets, who have won a couple in a row as well. Yeah. Um, Lakers are three and five. They haven't yeah. been the greatest, and they seem like a lot of the same things that ailed them last year to start the season mm-hmm. are also ailing them this year. Yeah. Uh, the three-point shooting has not been good. They haven't been able to hit their shots as much. Mm-hmm. They fall off of a cliff when LeBron James is off of the floor. Anthony Davis is now injured with a groin groin injury, and who knows when he'll be back or or yep. how healthy he will be when he gets back. Is it too soon to ring the alarm bells in Los Angeles with the Lakers? Oh God, that's a good question. I I'm always hesitant to say like you're not even ten games into the season, but yeah. it's, with how bad the numbers have been, 
when LeBron is off uh, the floor. By the way, just just to kind of put it out there, 28th yeah. offensively, they're 19th defensively. They have a net rating of minus 7.2. They're 27th in net rating. So like yeah. they've been one of the worst teams in the league to start the year, even despite yeah. being only three and five, you know? Right. And and to me, that is why you have to sound the alarm bells. And and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh my God, you got to get out there and make a trade right now. But yeah. maybe getting a little experimental with your lineups, maybe trying to switch some things up, especially with Anthony Davis potentially. I mean, I don't I'm not sure what to expect on in, in, in terms of him being unavailable from here on out. Um, but it's always a question. And so it's it's really just if you're the Lakers, how confident do you feel about his ability to return, to be available, to be performing at, you know, 100 um, percent? And so I think that's where you got to start. And then from there, assuming he's available for whatever percentage of the season or mm-hmm. on whatever minutes per night. Like, you know, we talked about this at yeah. the beginning of we the season it, yeah. on a game to game basis. And so for the Lakers, you've got to figure out sort of an alternative and, and I'm not even saying a personnel alternative, but you've got to figure out lineup changes, how to, how to sort. I mean, uh, I believe Rui had a, a, a pretty solid game. And so recently, and so for him, I think that there there's opportunity for other guys, to, other guys to sort of step up Um I may sort of be walking back my Gabe Vincent six man of the year a little bit. That looks to be a freezing cold take. But at the time, oh my God, I, yeah. at the time, I really felt like there was a chance. And now I apologize. Hey, I hear you. Listening. It's okay. Hey, listen, we have, we have our, we all have our bad picks. But I don't if, even remember some of the picks I made. Yeah. See, but I was like, man, if the Lakers get rolling, if the Lakers get rolling, it's going to be, be Gabe Vincent. But hey, I mean, I, I will say, and this is why I think to go back to your question, you do have to ring the, the alarm bells a little bit because to start off, I don't want to say like this slow, but to start off the way they have, especially yeah. the game against the Rockets, and to just sort of see the sort of energy and feel, you've got to be a little bit concerned, and you've got to start coming up with some some plans here. And so uh, I, yeah. I do think that we're going to see that a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if rumors started circling in terms of, oh, Lakers are keeping their eye on this guy, or Lakers are doing this, Lakers are doing that. So we'll see what happens. It already there. has. It, it already, already has. has. I, I saw, saw the Rob. I- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they're looking for, for a third, third star. star. Who knows? Yeah, whatever. We'll see. We'll um, see. yeah, we'll see. It's just LeBron is playing well again. You know, we talked Very about year well. twenty one and just how ridiculous it is that he's even doing this at this age. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been incredible, like genuinely, legitimately incredible. And for him to be able to do this at his age, it's just like a another notch on his belt. 100%. But it's also showing you, like, hey, if you actually were to – and by the way, like, I do still think this Lakers team can be good. It, yeah, it's just 100%. they haven't performed. Like, Austin Reeves has not out. performed to the level that he should. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they were expecting him to be back to what he was post-All-Star break, and he just hasn't been that for them. Right. Uh, I think they were expecting some contributions from some of the bench guys, Gabe Vincent being one of them. He has been bad. For yep. the most part, sorry, but yep. uh, nope. it's, it's yeah. the truth. And I, I think like there's a world in which we say like, yes, while the alarm bells should be rung, maybe this team will be fine in the long term. Yeah. And, you know, once they get into a rhythm of things, it'll be OK. But also LeBron is playing really, really well. And you want to give him the best chance to win this 100%. season. So what is 100%. that best chance? Where can you get that from? Right. Um, OK. One final thing before we we head out of here, I want to highlight one team, a team in the Western Conference who I think has vaulted themselves into not contender status, but like dark horse contender status, let's make the playoffs interesting status. 
and that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they have the number one defense in the league by a wide margin. They're uh, limiting teams to 100 points per 100 possessions. That would be by far the best defense uh, in the last couple of years. Obviously, it's early, so it's it's not going to stay to that number. But their defense looks incredible. I called it, by the way. I called it. I said uh, early in the season that the Wolves would be the number one defense in the league. I just thought the perimeter defense talent that they had between Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Mike Conley, and then the back line of Rudy Gobert, who looks incredible to start this season, was good enough for them to be the best defense in the league, and they have done that so far. I think that this could be a very, very good and hard team to play in the playoffs. They yeah. kind of showed that already last year against the Nuggets. They were a tough matchup for them. They beat the Nuggets again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I think they do pose an interesting matchup problem for that team specifically just because of their size. We talked about it a little bit with with Dallas and like how yeah. they might match up against a team like the Timberwolves. And I think that would be a problem because oh, they're yeah. just big. They're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anthony Edwards looks great. He looks like an all-NBA player this season. Uh, I mean, yeah, stardom, all of that stuff, the the things that everybody expects from Anthony Edwards he is doing this year. Uh, the playmaking still needs to improve, and that's something that he, he needs to improve in. But, man, the Timberwolves look really, really good. And I, I, I thought this was going to be the case last year. I had them yeah. Yeah, as a 50-win yeah. team last year. I said there was a chance the Timberwolves could finish first in the West. <laughs> that was my hot take. I said the Timberwolves could potentially finish first mm-hmm. in the West. They're, they didn't do that last year, obviously. Carl Anthony Towns only played 29 games. It was a really, really injury-riddled yeah. season for them. I think this year, I didn't even mention Naz Reed, who looks like a six-man yeah, candidate. Yeah, he's a huge, um, yeah, huge piece of this right now. I, this year could be that year. What we expected from them last year, last year. is what we are seeing now. Yeah. Uh, and they've just been special, man. They, I, I love everything they're doing. And, yeah, you know, sometimes it's like you look at Denver, Lauren, and you're like, man, continuity is important. Like sticking yeah. with your guns is important, even despite yeah. losing in the playoffs or maybe not making the playoffs or whatever. But just like yep. holding it down for a little bit and not being so let's let's make this trade. Let's yeah. go all in. Let's do this. It sometimes works in your favor. And I think in Minnesota, you're seeing that right now. So. Right. Kudos to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Any thoughts on that? Before yeah, we no, I mean, props to you for calling for ca- calling it on their defense. I, I think uh, Nas Reed, like you mentioned, deserves a lot of love. Uh, and just with what we're seeing right now from their, from their I don't want to just say roster construction, but I guess that's the best way to put it. They're so balanced uh, and they have mm-hmm. this like healthy balance of youth excitement and and like spring- springiness. Uh, but yeah. they also have the veteran leadership um and, and on in the in the first unit and in the second unit to keep them level to keep look them good, balanced. Man. Yep. yeah to not look to not get too high not get too low uh and, and to just sort of stay the course and so going back to what you said about the continuity and having a, a team that just sort of stays the course knows what they do well knows what they maybe don't do so well uh and mm-hmm. didn't do well in previous years uh and and just one by one and so i think right now what we're seeing from them again to, to sort of start right out of the gate seeing such a high emphasis on Anthony Edwards and his his just him being the focal point of everything 
and where Carl Anthony Towns, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert have been able to slide in around that, even Kyle Anderson and, and Nas Reed, and you mentioned Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like where these pieces all sort of fit around. Everyone yeah. seems to be knowing their role, locking in, um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the season develops, if everyone can stay healthy, kind of where they fall, because I, I'm, I obviously I don't think either of us necessarily think that they're they would be number one maybe they maybe they will maybe they will but I do think that they they're dangerous to sort of be this steady team that just Mm -hmm. what like you said what like you alluded to what we expected from them last year so the only thing I would like for people to keep an eye on and this is for you because you were transaction pilled as well um (laughs) I do think there's a Carl Anthony Towns trade to happen here within the next 18 months it probably isn't going to happen this season I even said that in my preview earlier, mm-hmm. where like this team is probably going to stay the course, not make yep. any massive trades, just because they're going to give the benefit of the doubt for this team right. that missed a lot of time last year, injuries, all that stuff. Right. I think ultimately they're going to give this team at least a one-year chance. I um, think so too. Maybe even more than a one-year chance. Maybe they give it a, a year and a half, and then yeah. next year at the deadline, they approach and see what happens with Carl Anthony Towns. Because yeah. I think there's a world in which you can get some pretty good stuff for cat yeah. uh, eventually. And yeah. I know his contract is pretty big and whatnot, but I think ultimately he would be a, 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 guy, a guy that like some other teams would like, you know? Um, right. And who knows, who knows when they visit that conversation, who wins, who knows when it comes up, but I do think eventually that's going to be the thing for Minnesota that takes them from, Hey, we're talking about them as dark horse contenders. This is the number one defense to, Oh, this is a contender now. This is yeah. a team that's going to try to win an NBA championship. So yeah. yes, Minnesota has been fun. Um, Lauren, anything else before we head out? Anything? No, you got? I think we Chicago. We, Are you going to Chicago again? Second no, 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 huh? no, I am not. No? I am not, but I will be yeah. back. I will be back one day, but, but nothing on, okay. on tap right now, but yes. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. So. All right. And any other travel? Any any other go, you know, going right to? You right know, right now? No, just kind of – I had two back-to-back trips, and so now I'm just looking to sort of hang out, lay low, going to try to catch uh, some Mavs games, got those on, on the calendar, and, and uh, maybe some Rockets games as well. So we'll see. Nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, we'll probably talk about the Rockets next week. We are talking about the Phoenix Suns next week yes. on Monday. So uh, tap into that podcast. We've got a guest coming on to talk about the Suns. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, how it's all looking. Bradley Beal hasn't played, by the way, but how it would all potentially look. Um, Thank you very much for tapping into the Objective Basketball Podcast. As always, do the like, do the subscribe, do the things that you guys always do. And we'll see you guys later. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.